Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, I'm glad you're here. We're in the middle of the holiest days of the entire year, and we're zooming up to Yom Kippur, and I just wanted to share with you some deep thoughts to get us ready. I'm sure 100% of you have seen what I'm about to tell you about. You're walking down the sidewalk and you see someone's name written in the cement, right? You've all seen it. I'll tell you something really weird. One time I was just leaning against the outside of a building, just making a, a phone call. And I looked down in the cement and someone had written 10 slash 24, which is my birthday in the cement where I was standing. That sort of blew my mind for a moment. But anyway, so... These are the days of wet cement. (laughs) Let me explain that. If you were to take a stick and go outside your building right now and try to write your name in the dried cement, good luck. (laughs) Maybe if you really, ah, you know, go for it. You'll make an imprint, but it's hard. It's hard. But you know something? When the cement is wet, You can take a feather, you can take whatever it is, and you can write whatever you like. So these 10 days, while the world is still being formed, these are the days of wet cement. And that's why any mitzvah that you do, whether you're gonna continue to do it or not, any mitzvah that you do, any prayer that you make, has a disproportionate effect because the universe itself is still being formed. But let me give you something that I think is very helpful on the don't list. So I'll tell you a story. This is a story that happened to me. You, I grew up in New York City on, on 79th Street and Broadway on the Upper West Side. And one of the things that they don't teach you when you grow up on 79th Street and Broadway is how to tie a heavy object to the top of a car. Okay? Like... They teach you how to stay alive riding the subway. They don't teach you how to tie a heavy object to the top of a car. And so anyway, I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 21. I'm actually talking to you now from Los Angeles. And, you know, I had to furnish my apartment. So, you know, like a dutiful citizen of Earth, I went to Ikea and I bought one of those surprisingly heavy but super thin cardboard boxes, which was a bookcase. And it was like, okay, well, I guess I have to put this to the top of my car, right? And I found that it was surprisingly easy, which was very gratifying. And one more very important detail, I had an appointment that was very important that I had to get to on time, couldn't be late for. Okay, good. So I start driving on the freeway, I'm doing 60 miles an hour. I look in the rear view mirror and I see something really alarming, which is the bookcase is sliding down the back of my car. I never put it on properly to begin with, which is why I guess it was so easy to do for me. And I realized that if, if I don't pull over immediately, this thing is gonna go into the car behind me and it could cause an accident and a, and a loss of life God forbid. So it's like, this is very serious. So I I find a way to get to the side of the road. I pull over so everyone's safe. And the bookcase slides to the cement. And I'm with a friend. And 
I don't know what to do because, I mean, under the best of circumstances, I wasn't able to tie it on properly. And now I'm like in this little narrow patch of concrete where cars are whizzing by me at 60 miles an hour. And I don't know how I'm going to get this back on top of my car and drive home safely and make it in time for this appointment that I can't be late for. So I'm dumbfounded. And my friend says, well, why don't you just leave it here? And I'm like, what? I just paid $150 for this. You're telling me just leave it by the side of the road? And the person said, yeah, just let it go. And I thought about it and I thought, just let it go. I thought, that's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And we got back into the car and I just drove on and I was in time for my appointment. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> so why am I telling you this? Because do you know how many of us are lugging around things? We're just lugging around things so much so that it's hard to get around and we're missing appointments because we're lugging around things. And we're afraid to let these things go from our past because we think a lot of different thoughts. One, I'm waiting for that apology, which by the way, is likely never to come. Not only that, but I'm thinking triple time about some event or someone, and you know what? They're not thinking about me. It is totally one-sided. They let me go a long time ago, or, or this event, or whatever it is. Another reason, if I let go, I lose. And you know what? It's not true. If you let go, you win. Because you don't have to lug this thing around anymore. And it's not doing you any good anyway. I heard a phrase, I don't know if I'm getting it right exactly, where you try to kill someone else by you drinking the poison. <laughs> Anger is, is toxic. Anger is toxic. The primary path that my Rebbe taught me was that everyone has to cleanse their heart of anger. I'll tell you a story. I wish I knew the name of the Hasidic master. I don't. But it's a true story. Back in the day, you know, there are a lot of Hasidic stories about traveling through forests. You know why? Because there were a lot of forests. <laughs> and if you travel through the forest at night, I mean, you talk about bad neighborhoods, right? I mean, a forest at night was, was taking your life in your hands because there were wolves and they would attack you and they would kill you. And there were also robbers. That's where they hung out. And the robbers would murder you. So basically, it was life and death. If you got lost in a forest at night, good luck. Anyway, this Rebbe and some of his Hasidim were on this horse and wagon and they were going through a forest at night and, and the horses all of a sudden froze because they encountered a pack of wolves. And, you know, the, the horse just got paralyzed in fear. 
And, you know, what, what comes next? The wolves come and they start attacking the people inside the carriage, right? So the Rebbe went outside the carriage. And my Rebbe, who told me this story, said that he learned that wolves have a Rebbe. You know why? Have you ever heard of the expression leader of the pack? Right? So a pack of wolves, they really do have a leader. And that's their, that's, that's their Rebbe, so to speak. So the Rebbe got off the carriage and he started unbuttoning his shirt. And he stood in front of the lead wolf. And the wolf came over to him and put his nose against the Rebbe's chest. And then, after a little bit, the wolf turned around and all the wolves left. And the Rebbe explained to the Hasidim that the wolf was coming to smell whether there was any anger in my heart. And when he saw that there was no anger in my heart, he and the other wolves left. So, so we've got we've to cleanse our hearts of anger. And one of the big ways of doing that is letting go. And believe me, you don't lose, you win. You will be the primary beneficiary. There is no question. There is no question. You know, I, I told this story recently and someone said to me, but you went back and got your bookcase, right? <laughs> In case any of you were wondering, how does that story really end? And I was sort of surprised when he asked me that, because I thought it was implied in the story that I didn't go back. So he said, so did you go back? And I said, no, no. Not only didn't I go back, but I was so happy not to go back. There's tons and tons of Torah analyzing Hebrew words and getting very, very deep insights into the nature of those things. Now, Shana, you should recognize that word because it's the partner of Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> Rosh Hashanah means the head of the new year because it's the first day of the month of Tishrei. I'll tell you something mind-blowing. This is from the Balaturim. The first word of the Torah, Breshis, in the beginning or out of beginnings, that's a deeper translation. If you rearrange the letters of Breshis, do you know what it spells? Be'aleth. Tishrei, <laughs> in the first day of Tishrei, which is when the world is created, which is Rosh Hashanah. Pretty amazing. So let's look at the word Shana, which is the Hebrew word for year. The gematria, the numerical equivalent of Shana, is 355. So now that might make you scratch your head for a moment. Because we know the year has 365 days, not 355. Except they were really right. You know why? Because right now, hold on to your brains, right now, our tradition is that the previous world, the one from last year, doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. But the new world is still being formed. And it's not going to be finished until after Yom Kippur. So let's think about it. The old world isn't here anymore. 
the new world, which is going to appear after Yom Kippur, isn't here yet. Which means right now we're in this void of timelessness. And how many days, starting with Rosh Hashanah, till you get to Yom Kippur, do we have? Ten. So Shana in Hebrew is 355. But when you add 10, what do you get? 365. So right now we're in what everyone agrees are the holiest days of the year because they're not time-bound at all. God is so close. We're beyond time and space right now, which is why these 10 days are not included in the count of the year. Remember, Shana is 355. Plus these 10 days, which are above time, gets you to 365. But the headline is, we're in these days right now. So what does that mean? Oh, wow. So we've got a tremendous opportunity to change our lives, to change the world, to change the year, to change absolutely everything. Because Hashem is the closest that he is all year, right now. There's so many ways to use this time. Interestingly, we always want to be sincere and I don't want to pretend that I'm more religious than I am or anything like that. However, you want to hear something interesting? There's a big exception to that rule, which is these 10 days where they say, do things even if you don't think that you're going to continue doing them at all. Like, like I don't really keep kosher. Keep kosher these 10 days, even if you're not going to continue to do it. Say, you know, I don't do so much Shabbos. Do Shabbos this coming Shabbos as, as, as much as you feel comfortable doing. Like, what? I don't really make blessings before I make a blessing. <laughs> Even if you're not going to continue with it. To fill in, that's a little extreme for me. Put on to fill in. Light candles. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just wrap it up now. And just tell you a couple of things about Yom Kippur specifically, okay? Because it's really the greatest day of the whole year. It really is. And believe it or not, the Talmud, and this is going back thousands of years now, says it's one of the happiest days of the entire year. And I know when I first heard that, I was shocked. I was like, I have to fast? I have to be in shul all day? And you're telling me it's one of the happiest days of the year? Really? But of course it is. Why? Because our souls are being cleansed. What could be greater than that? Our souls are being cleansed. It's unbelievable. Okay, now I'll just leave you with this one thought. The Haftarah, for all of you who are super ambitious, spiritually speaking, and you'll be there for the afternoon service of Yom Kippur. You're going to come back. Well, we read a special Haftar every year. It's the same one. And it's the story of Jonah being swallowed by the whale. Well, you all know the story. And he prays and he prays. And God spits him out on dry land. Now, the Vilna Gon, one of the greatest Torah authorities, said that this is actually, on a deeper level, a story about reincarnation. That when he was swallowed by the whale, that was the end of his life. 
and he's reborn and given the mission that he hadn't finished yet back to him. Okay, it's like a metaphor on a very deep level. Although the story did happen, we believe that it happened. So now listen to this. Why do we read the story of Jonah being swallowed by the whale and then spit out again on Yom Kippur? You ready for this? Because on a deep level, we are being reborn on Yom Kippur. And through the prayers and the fasting and everything coming together and all the tshuva, all the good deeds that we're doing leading up to the day, what God does is whispers our mission to us back into our ear. Remember I told you about mission creep? Like as you get halfway in, it's easy to forget why you were doing it to begin with. On Yom Kippur, we get whispered to us what our mission is again, just like Jonah, Jonah got whispered it inside the whale. And then listen to this, because this is like mind blowing. We get reincarnated as ourselves. <laughs> Yom Kippur ends and it's a brand new you, but you've been like reacquainted with why you're here and what you're supposed to do. And sometimes that's going to be on a soul level. Sometimes it's going to be, if you really dig, on a more conscious, revealed level. But that's what's going on. So I'm blessing you and bless me back with just the best, best year. And we should use these days when the old world isn't here and the new world isn't here yet. And these days of wet cement to absolutely, absolutely just make the most out of everything, out of the world, out of our lives, out of the Torah, out of being Jewish, all of the above. Thanks for listening. We do this every week. So join in again next Sunday for our new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.